talk about tonight. If God is love, then why do bad things happen to good people? If God is love, why do bad things happen to good people? It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible to live life without coming across some relationship that's going to ask this question. It's impossible to live a Christian life without coming into a circumstance that is going to at least shake or challenge your faith at some time. It doesn't matter how much you're dedicated, how much you love God, how much you are trusting the promises of God. If you're a sincere person, and I say that because not everybody's sincere. But if you are a sincere person, and and typically, and I'm not trying to beat nobody up, but some of us have been living fake so long, we don't know what sincerity is. Some of us have been playing a role so long, we have lost what it means to even be authentic. What we say does not carry any weight because words are no longer valuable to us, only, only a form of us manipulating things so we can get what we think we need. So not everybody's sincere. This is why Paul urges the early church to remain sincere in their hearts. Because it's, in, it's very possible to not be sincere. Um, I would recommend it, those of you that are dealing with things in your heart, to go back and listen to the series I taught on how to stay authentic. I taught three weeks. I was listening to it the other week. It was messing me up. A lot of times the Holy Spirit uses me in a way that I forget what I'm even saying. And when I go back and hear it, I'm like, man. It's killing me because it wasn't something that was scripted. It was just by the Holy Spirit. So I would challenge you to go back and listen to that message as it pertains to that because how to keep a heart authentic. When we are living life and we're growing, there's going to be circumstances that you and I just do not understand. Mama's dying, daddy's dying, children dying, people that loved God that just get sick, serve God for 50, 60 years, and all of a sudden a terrible disease kind of just invades their life and then they have to suffer for the remaining days and i'm talking about people who serve god who are walking with god who are loving god who are trying to do their best to walk with god why do these why do these tragedies seem to happen and there is a lot of the world that if you was to ask them the reason why they are not in church you could go to any local bar right now it's saturday night. i'm sure they're packed amen i'm sure they're packed come on now People don't need an excuse to miss that. We typically have conversations in environments like that, and you're going to find that people are running from God, are running from the demand that God has put on their life because they are carrying an offense because there is a mystery that they walk through that they cannot understand. And therefore, what they do is they decide, I'm going to do me. Something about all this stuff feels funny. God isn't just. God isn't loving. He ain't faithful. They come to these conclusions about who God is based off what they have to endure. And so a lot of them, if you you even take the time, one thing I do is I'm an avid avid researcher. I, I love research. I love study. I love these things, whether it be by reading a book or you know, watching film or whatever it is that you watch. But if you really look at some of the leading atheistic voices in the time that we live in, in the 21st century, most of them grew up in church. You got people like Sam Harris. You got people that are very uh, atheistic in their perspective, and some of them agnostic. And they started out in the church, and if you trace their history to when things switched... It's typically, typically because they could not describe mentally why something happened the way it happened. And because they didn't have any answers, they leaned toward the only conclusions that they could come up with. Two things happen when you're in a mystery you can't understand, a situation you can't understand. Number one, you either go and run from God and maybe come into an atheistic perspective. Or number two, you become highly religious and you have a concept of God that is no longer accurate according to the model Jesus displayed. What makes us 
different is the way we steward mysteries. It's absolutely okay to say, I don't know. Only an offended heart demands answers. Now, this is some heavy stuff here tonight. I realize that it's, it's, it's nice and it's breezy and it's kind of chill mode, but this is some weighty stuff. God's answers are not information. They're truth. God never answers you to inform you. He answers you to change you. God never even informs. He conforms. When he answers you, it is responsibility that comes with that answer. Why is God silent in some of your seasons? Because you have no ability to bear what he's getting ready to say. Jesus told the disciples, there's more I want to say to you, but you can't bear it now. He never said you can't hear it now. God isn't interested in just conversating with you. His words, he spoke everything we see into existence. God can't have a conversation without creation. He's not like you and I to where we can just shoot the breeze. Everything he says becomes. And so it's wise for him to hold back some things. Because we're not ready to become yet. He knows when you're asking a question out of offense or you're asking a question because you're ready for him to create. Man. So he, 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 he decides to remain silent in seasons because we're not ready for the transformation that comes as a byproduct of him speaking. And that's what I call a gentleman. That's what I call a father. But what we do in those seasons of his silence determines what's going to become of our heart. I could put the mic down. That was enough right there. Unbelief is typically the result of us coming to self-conclusions. Try it. Unbelief that is operating in your life is typically the result of you coming to your own conclusions and not having waited on God to give the conclusion. Right? Anybody in the gym, anybody ever work out in the gym? Anybody ever done to become a chest press? When you're trying to grow, listen, watch this. When you're trying to grow, what you don't do is take lightweight and do a bunch of reps. Now, you're going to get strong, but you're going to get more definition there because you're burning, right? It's light. It's easy. We usually come out the gate real strong. This is nothing, you know, until you get to that, that peak set. When you're trying to grow, though, you start putting more weight on. But the interesting thing about people trying to grow is once they put the weight on, they never attempt it without somebody spotting them. They never try to grow alone. Because the more weight that you're attempting, you're going to need somebody to make sure this junk don't fall on your face. They're there. They're there for a reason because you're going to the point of failure. The success as it relates to this you're not succeeding unless you have reached failure. If you stopped and you had three more in you, you failed. But if you couldn't get the last one up without help, you succeeded. The point of it is to come to the end of your own strength and rely upon somebody that's stronger. This is how mysteries are stewarded. So I want, I want to talk about this tonight. If God is love, why is bad stuff happening to people? So let's get into this. Look here. I'm, I'm going to give you three different angles at this, possibly ten. But we're going to start with three. Because there's so many ways to debunk this faulty way of thinking 
as it relates to Scripture because some of us have an idea about God that is just not scripturally accurate. And as a pastor, one of the things we have to do besides preach to the people and love the people and encourage the people and do all the stuff that we do throughout the week, because, you know, church for some of y'all is from 7 to 8.30 on Saturdays. For Shawnee and I, it never stops. Never stops. Our phones are ringing off the hook. This is why I, matter of fact, it's so bad sometimes I have to put my phone on silent while I'm in church. Because church people will call you while you're in church looking for cops like, Joker, you should be here. I can tell you what your number one problem is. You're not faithful to the house. We're not here just for the lights and camera. We're here to feed you so that you can create a spiritual diet that produces something positive in your life. Amen, sir. When Pastor Gail calls, say, hey, man, where you been at? I'm not doing that just because I'm trying to shoot the breeze. I'm worried about where you're at. That's my job. As a shepherd, one day I'm going to have to answer to God for you. Now, you can do with your life as you please, but you're going to have to answer too. But I want to be the guy that's like, God, I did what I did. I, 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 told, I did what you put before me to do. To the best of my capability. Why? Because I want you to have abundant life. Amen. So here we go. Y'all ready for this? Genesis 1:26. Let's start debunking these faulty concepts. Here we go. Number one. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the okay. earth. Okay. Hold out here. This is Genesis, y'all. God sets the order right off the rip he says let us make man in our likeness now that likeness there isn't the word image that's why he says both likeness and image image is this physical attributes right but likeness let us make man like us in other words let us make man with our nature Let them embody our nature, our way of being. That's really important because before he ever does this other part, he says, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth. Now, have you ever wondered why everything that else is created, any animal lovers in here? Come on now. It doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter... Now, if you're out in the wild, now, you're crazy if you're going to try to go out in the wild and just start bossing lions and stuff and try to check how much dominion you got out there because you're going to be somebody's meal. The only reason any animal attacks is because they're starving. If you was to even walk out, and I'm telling you, I, my wife tell you, man, I, I watch hours of this stuff. Animals that are not hungry will not attack. Starvation changes their nature, causing them to risk things they would not usually do. What, what makes a five to six hundred pound lion? Who with one swipe would kill any of us. What makes a lion shy down in the presence of a human? If it's not hungry. Dominion. What makes a cat or a dog shy down in the presence of mankind? Dominion. What makes birds run? What makes, I mean everything created. They do their best if they're wild to avoid humankind. If they're wild, if they're domesticated, they're really in trouble. What makes my dog, those men over to see my little Cooper, as soon as I walk in, listen, especially he knows each other, he'll be like, crawling like, I did something wrong. What makes him respond like that? Dominion. It's not just he knows he's going to get his butt beat. It's dominion. It's the way God designed it. There's nothing created in the earth that has the authority that mankind has. Now watch this. Everybody say dominion. 
this is real important. I want you to remember this because this is, this is all it means. I'm just going to make it real simple. We can get into the etymology later. This is all it simply means. The origin of dominion literally means ownership. All it means. The first chapter in the Bible, God says, let, us, let them have our likeness. But then as a byproduct of likeness, once they feel and get how it's supposed to be as, a, as it relates to the nature of a thing, as long as they carry the likeness, let's give them ownership. As long as they carry the likeness, give them ownership. This is really important because we've been given to me. The first thing God does after creating them is he delegates the business to us. Now, why is that important? Because most of you think God is in control. Yeah, you are still under this delusion that God is in control and that is just not Bible God gave you dominion if the family business goes down the drain it's because of the way you managed it how dare we sit there and blame God because all hell's breaking loose and you have been mismanaging this thing since the moment he gave it to you that thing was thriving under daddy and mommy it's terrible under you Why? Because you do not carry the same likeness no more. Because you're not carrying the same. You still want to go do all the stuff your flesh want to do. And you wonder why all hell break loose. It's because you don't embody the likeness. You don't know Jesus as Lord yet. You're still stuck on Savior. You're still stuck on Savior. You don't know him as Lord He ain't ruling nothing. He's just bailing you out every time you make a mess of things. Most of us come to church because we need a Savior. But how many times does God got (laughs) to, I mean, it's it's like, man, how many situations you got to get through in order to, to where you just finally surrender this thing? You're never going to grow if your relationship with God is summed up by him bailing you out of everything. Because you have no discipline, no maturity, no growth. Your word means nothing. We got to grow up. We have got to grow up. I promise you, some of you young folk that's in here, life is going to go by faster than you think. And I'm telling you right now, I promise you, you're going to look up and be like, how in the world? Sydney had the nerve post, man. I don't know how to feel about 30. Man, if you don't take your 30 and get out of here and go to Jamaica, 30, 30, 30, Tim. I said, my God, I don't know how to feel about 42. Somebody else in here is saying 60. Hey, listen, man, it goes by so fast. It goes by so fast. You don't have the time that you think you have. Some of y'all may not even make it to 40. I'm not putting a curse over you, but every, everybody has an appointed moment. You don't have the time you think to get it right. You better get your tail in gear now. Be faithful to the things of God. Don't take this thing as light, man. Be faithful to, to the things of God. It's funny to me that you ever notice that people, my mom brings all these people when she comes, you know. They like to sit close to, you know, they're right here. And I love it. But you know one of the things that I love about, we, we just went down to her, my mom's church a couple weeks ago. and It was a beautiful moment of worship. We was down there. We was worshiping all these young people come down to the altar, man. I can't remember. It was packed down there. The altar was full of people. And we're singing, great is your faithfulness. And they're just screaming it, faithfulness. Uh, like they're, they're engaged. Shawnee breaks down crying. I'm trying to play. She's supposed to be singing. It's high as all get out. I got to take over like, because she's, you know, she breaks down. It was, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's one of those moments because you really felt the presence of God. You guys was there. You felt it, right? It was thick. And one of the things that I love about that type of people 
It's funny to me that people that have experienced the world in their fullness, when they come to Christ, they don't want nothing more to do with it. It's only the church folk that want to live in both worlds. You still want to, I want to party on this day, and I want to live for God on this day. And it's, you know, it's like, we still doing this lukewarm thing. But when you've really experienced the world, when God says, okay, I'm going to let him go. You go do you. Go do you. Get all the stuff your flesh wants. When your life comes crashing down. And that's something. Paul even said, man, according to one person, I'm going to turn them over to the enemy, to the devil, so that in the end their soul may be saved. Because they ain't getting nothing I'm trying to give them. This is preaching the gospel now. Paul said, I'm turning them over to Satan. That the end of so many say, why? It's something about people that come off of the drugs and come off of the, 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 the craziness of the world. They, they've had enough heartache. They've lost more than it's humanly possible. They've ruined relationship and their reputation is mud. And Jesus is all that's there at the end of it. And when they come to Christ, they don't want to flirt with that no more. Because they was left for dead. And Jesus said, that's fine. I'll let the world kill you. Good thing I know how to resurrect somebody. And then he takes you and he gives you new life with a new heart, with a new appetite, with new desires. And those are the people that work. They can't sing as good as us. They can't dance as good as us. They can't play as good as us. But my God, the worship felt so sincere. You can have all of the talent. Give me the heart. They was out there singing off key. Great is your faithfulness. And I'm telling you, God was living inside of it. Because they was at a place to where wherever God brought them from, where they're at now is sincere. Give me 12 people that's lost everything that God has renewed their heart over. A whole bunch of church folk that's living in both worlds. And you'll create an atmosphere that will transform a city. That's why they're driving two hours, all 20 of them. Because there's something here in the house that they identify with. And they don't want to be seen. They don't want to. They don't, it's just beautiful to see that type of hunger. I don't know how I got off onto that, but amen. God is at a place to where we are. The dominion that he's given us has to flow with the likeness. But if we don't have the likeness, we're going to mess up the family business. Now, why is that important? Because the question is, if God is love, why do bad things happen? Is it necessarily God's fault that things are going south in your life right now. Let's be honest. Is it the love of God that you can really blame for all this stuff that's happening in your world right now? Or is it your decisions? Is it your lack of commitment? Is it because of your lack of prayer life? Is it because you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Is it because you get offended every time correction comes? I don't know anybody that can mature without enduring correction. Paul didn't say in the last days that they wouldn't listen to sound doctrine. He said in the last days they will not endure sound doctrine. It's an enduring of sound doctrine that grows us up. Doctrine's there so that we can't wiggle our way out of responsibilities. That's what it's there for. Let's go to Revelation 4. Watch this. 4.11. By the way, just a quick note for all the watching or here. Please quit saying Revelations. It bugs me. It's not Revelations. It's Revelation. There's no S on it. Unless you shop at Targets. <laughs> or Walmarts. Come on, how many say Walmarts? They put an S on it. It's not. It's revelation. Why is that important theologically? Because the book is only revealing one simple revelation. And it's in verse 1. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is not about the last days. The book of Revelation is about Jesus Christ. Very important. All right. So, so let, let's, let's get into this. Revelation 4, verse 11, watch. This is still in the concept, if God is love, why do bad things happen to good people? I'm going I'm to try to break this down as easy as I can. Let's read. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, we got it back there? We... Worthy are you, O Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. 
For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. Okay, now the King James Version says it like this at the end, where it says, You created all things, and because of your will, they existed. Now, the reason I want to say the King James here is not just the King James, it's several different versions, because it actually renders this way in the Greek as well, right there. For you have created, look at all things, everybody say this, for thy pleasure. God created you for his good pleasure, but why? What's the reason God created everything if God knew by his sovereignty that somebody was going to reject him? Why even create somebody? That's been the age-old argument. Are you an Arminianist or are you a Calvinist? Calvin believed in predetermination to where Arminianist was the exact opposite. That's too much theology here for tonight. That's not where I'm trying to go. But it's been an argument that's existed in the church for centuries. If God is all-knowing, then why would he create you knowing that you was going to refuse him? What kind of a loving God would do that? Right? You want to know the answer to that? You ready for this? And I'm dogmatic about this one. I don't know. I just gave you a principle that can save you a lot of issues. I'm going to be very dogmatic about this answer. I guarantee you this one. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not God. His ways are above mine. God never, ever told us that he's going to give us all of his mind. It's, it's, it's impossible. In our two-pound brain, you think you're going to be able to actually carry every answer and solution to everything that God himself is holding? He told Job, like, dude, where was you when I hung the stars? Like, his ways are so far beyond our ways. Like, we are still trying to figure out what a star actually is. Is it a burned out planet? Is it gas? What type of protons and neutrons are, how are they operating there? Science is still in great debate over this stuff. God already knows all this stuff. I can tell you real quick what a star is. It's something God created. In my family, when we have one of the moments, we do this, what we do, do we, do we, do we, do we. Like, it's just something God created. Now, how does it work? I don't know, but there's so many things he created. I don't know how it works, but I know he's at the center of it. There's a reason why we call him wonder. Come on. That we stand in awe of him, in wonder. You understanding everything is not a requirement for you to trust him. Amen, somebody. I, mysteries don't bother me like they used to. They don't bother me like I used to. Maybe that's why heaven is eternal and life is temporary. Because he can spend all eternity answering everything that I was asking him in time. Maybe he created eternity because it takes that long just to catch us up. Or maybe, come on, can we go deeper? Maybe God wanted to experience mystery himself, so he created li limited beings and then fellowships with them. Maybe he, why would God need faith? Faith is something on our side of the relationship. God, why would God need faith? He knows what's going to happen. There's no blind spots. Maybe he wanted, maybe that's why he took an air of his own breath in his son. Come down to earth so he could realize what pain feels like. He could realize what, 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 back, what somebody backbiting feels like. So he could realize what the cross felt like. He could realize how relationships go south. I mean, he's God. He, anybody, why would anybody cross him in his heavenly form? He's so much God, he had to create a fight. If God wants to fight, he has to set it up himself. The Bible said that when God said, he said, Moses, go tell him, let my people go. He went over there. He said, let my people go. What do you think? That he's going to refuse? God told him to say that. Then he let him go. Then the Bible says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that he would pursue them. Both of them are being led by God. 
<laughs> the deliverers being led by God and then the pursuers being led by God. Why? Because God's got to set up a fight sometimes just to show you how bad he really is. We're talking about God here. Uh, I feel like preaching tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, we're talking about God here. Your circumstances go sour sometimes because God may just want to show you how bad he really is. You would never know the goodness of God if you didn't have a season where it didn't look good. You would never know what good health is if you didn't have a season where your health was declining. God, is, God created the yin and the yang. A battery that doesn't have both positive and negative will not electrify nothing. You can't charge nothing without both operating in your world. Where we make the mistake, this is where we make this thing. We call things negative evil, evil and things positive good. That's that old tree talking. The knowledge of good and evil. That's why God didn't want you to, part, to, to, to eat it. Because you don't know how to discern what's good and what's evil. You call pain evil when pain's the thing growing you up. Your comfort may be evil right now. Your comfort, it may be the thing that's keeping you out of the promise. You're too comfortable right now in your life. God said, no, no, you need some turmoil. Why? Because that's what's going to grow you. I'm telling you, it's time. Come on, just let Jan say, Father, give me some growing pains. Come on now. We need some growing pains. It's time to quit with the excuses. It's time to grow. Ain't no bird alive that can fly without the mother not having made the nest uncomfortable. Every bird that can fly now is the result of living in a nest that the mother made uncomfortable so that they would get so uncomfortable they would use their potential comfort has been killing us every boxer alive knows every boxer every fighter alive they don't train in the best gyms with the best equipment man they get uncomfortable training is uncomfortable they get less sleep Working out every muscle, hurting every day, and getting up half to whip it. A training camp is a season of defeating what your mind calls comfortable. Because you ain't getting nothing on the backside unless you've went through that season first. Y'all too doggone comfortable. I'm glad the air ain't working. That's why we preaching tonight. You're too comfortable. Hey, miss somebody. I've been in Haiti where I've preached for four hours because they wouldn't let you go, and it's 900 degrees out there. And they still, we want more, we want more. I'm like, I don't have no more. Because they're hungry for the things of God. Man. Woo. Created for his good pleasure. God created you for his good pleasure. Look at here, 1 John 4. My God, I got, I got too much tonight. 1 John 4, watch this, let's read. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Look at that. No, 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 no. He did so much there. He said, don't believe every spirit, but test it. He didn't say question it. Test it. How do you know when something's not from God? Because it's surviving the test. He didn't say question it like, are you from God? No, he said test it. Put it into practice. Remember, I just preached on the power of practice. Put it into practice to see if it's God or not. Jump in the water and see if it's God or not. Watch this. Let's, let's continue. Watch this here. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh yeah. is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Yep. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now it is already in the world. Mm. You are from God, little children. Watch this, y'all. And have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Let's go to verse 7. 
Watch this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Yep. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So watch it. Now here, this is the biggie. Why do bad things happen to good people? Everyone say, God is, God is. love. Love is God, and God is love. Now, the world thinks that they're in God because they have romantic feelings for somebody. That's not the love of God. This is a different type of love he's talking about. You can only measure if you're in God by your response to your enemies. That's the only way to measure your maturity as it relates to the love of God in your life. Jesus said, anybody would die for somebody righteous. <laughs> but he demonstrated his love while we were yet sinners. Jesus never said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they're doing. He did it while they were still doing it. With no guarantee they would ever change. Oh my God. With no guarantee they would ever change. See, some of y'all, your love has a time limit on it. That's all right to have relational commitments with a time limit on it, but not love. You're not meant to do life with everybody. But you are meant to love everybody. If you ever transition by the Spirit... You will always transition with love in your heart. If you transition with anything other than love in your heart, you probably should remain where you're at. Because it may not be the Holy Spirit leading you to go anywhere. A lot of people get real superstitious and they all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're hearing from God. As soon as they get offended, God told me to leave. No, 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 you're just offended. It's your flesh telling you to leave. And it's funny that you feel like that's God because you've probably been hearing from your flesh the whole time thinking it was God. The only time you hear from God is when you're offended, you're immature. Because it ain't God, it's you. Transition is supposed to happen in peace. Peace has nothing to do with circumstances. Ask Jesus. He was sleeping in a boat while they were sinking. All right? So watch this. Look at this part. God is love. Now... That, that's biggie. Why? Because why would bad things happen to good people? Well, God is love. Do you think you're a robot? God created you. We just read God gave us dominion. Then he created us for his good pleasure. Now God is love. I'm answering your question right now. Love does not control us. If somebody loves you, they are giving you permission to hurt them too. Love that is not vulnerable is not love. It's not love. If you marry your wife or your husband and you are there and you before God say, I'm giving you my heart. I'm making a vow to you. I am, what I am essentially saying is I'm giving you permission now to hurt me. Because I'm giving you my heart with no restraints. What you do with the family business from here is up to you. If it goes south, I can't blame it on but God. Love gave us dominion for his pleasure. Are y'all catching this tonight? Love gave us the family business for his pleasure. God cannot be anything other than love. It's not like he woke up and said, I'm going to love today. He is love. It's not that he has love. He is love. And love defined is not controlling. You cannot control in love. Because if I control you, you are now becoming a slave. Slaves do not perform because they want to perform. They're performing because they have to perform. 
Mm. Love, I know it's a little lengthy. Give me five minutes. I'm going to bring it to a wrap here. Love, watch this. God is love, right? How would we ever know it, though, if he didn't create something? Y'all catching this? How would I know that God is love if, if God never had an object? Because you can tell me you love me, but if there's never an object to display it, how does it manifest? This is deep stuff tonight. Love can exist without an object, but it cannot display without one. I can be full of love in my heart, but I can never show it without you. So why did God create you? Because he needed to demonstrate. Why would God create humanity? Because he was existing without being able to demonstrate. Because he is pure, unconditional love. So he needed to create something to be able to demonstrate this God quality. Now... Because he's love, this is where it gets, come here, Sydney, come here, Javen. Watch, this is where it gets, this is where it gets weird. Because he's love. Sydney, one of y'all own a gun? Who owns a gun? Javen, you got one in your trunk? Okay, okay. He got these hands. He said, he said I bite bullets. <laughs> hey, okay, come here. So watch it. If, if Sydney was right here, you going to say, if Sydney had a gun, he was going to shoot Javen. Right? Does God love both of them? Come on. All right. He's going to shoot Jabin. Oh, yeah. You, you double-handed. Okay. This is what I said, a Glock. I thought he was going to do this. Um, he shoots Jabin. If God loves Jabin so much, why wouldn't he stop the bullet? The answer is because God loves Sydney so much. We are viewing everything from the backlash of having owned the business but didn't follow his ways. They was both given dominion. That means God is choosing to no longer intervene with control. Because if God stops the bullet, we're no longer sons, we're slaves. Yo, it's crazy, isn't it? If God stops the bullet now... Jesus came and died, which means, here's my answer. God may not stop the bullet, but I know he'll be with the family in the pain. Because Jesus said, I'm not, I'm not going to stop the sinning. What I'm going to do is demonstrate what abundant life looks like. I'm going to partake of their suffering so that they know I'm there with them, even in the pain. Are y'all catching this? It's this this looks like one man hating another. Bang, it's not. This is the family business. You got to quit seeing it any other way. It's the family business. He's just deciding to walk in a different way. You can be seated real quick. Come on now. It's easy to question God when things go south in our life. Well, why did mom die? Why did dad die? Why did sickness get him? Well, maybe three generations ago, the Holy Spirit told your grandma to quit eating certain stuff because it's going to create generational defects inside. They didn't listen to God. You was raised with a bad appetite. They was raised with a bad appetite. Now you got diabetes. Why didn't God intervene? He loved me. He tried to. He told you several times to change your diet. If God steps in every single time there's consequences, we're no longer sons. We are slaves. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts to live with the consequences. Look at Deuteronomy. I'm going to close with this one. I got so much more. Look at Deuteronomy. Look, Pastor Tim, watch it. Go to Deuteronomy. I I, should have gave it back there. 30, 15 through 19. This is the Old Testament and you still see his love. Watch. Come on, Deuteronomy 30. See? I have set before you today life and prosperity. Jesus. And death and adversity. This is him. 
<laughs> Look, keep going. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and look his judgments all right excuse me his commandments statutes and his judgments so that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land he wants to give you life he's saying listen man I'm sitting before you life and death you can't blame me because you chose death God doesn't want God never blesses a person he blesses a generation God doesn't see Abraham. He sees Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Your experience in loss is because somebody's been flirting with death. He said, I set before you a decision. Which one are you going to take? Look, you keep going here. You are entering this land to possess it. But if you, your heart turns away and you will not obey, you are drawn away by worship of other gods and serve them. Watch this. I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter. He's saying, man, I've given you a decision, y'all. Why did this happen? I'm telling you, you're viewing things through your own relationship when there is generational things at work here. And although we are stumped at death, sometimes death is the only healing for some people. Because they're never going to change. They're in it too long. Sometimes death is the only healing. It's God's way of bringing a conclusion to an issue so he can deal with strictly the spirit man afterwards. Because I promise you, life ain't the end of repentance. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Part of the ministry of Jesus was after his death. He went down into the earth and preached to the captives. The gospel goes on beyond our ability to breathe. That's why he said, I want to give you life here and abundantly. But some of us are so stuck in our ways. You can't get it to us. You're going to be miserable, miserable all the way to the end because you keep choosing death. Some of us are so selfish we don't realize our decisions is setting up the future for the next generation. They're going to be born into these deficiencies. Your victory is not just your victory. It's their victory. Sin, the Bible says he visits their iniquities to the third and the fourth generation. But those who get victory goes for a thousand years. (laughs) Notice he said, I visited to the third and fourth generation. He didn't say... He didn't say you have to have it to the third and fourth. He just said, I visited. What's he visiting? Your opportunity to choose life and death. Why does bad things happen to good people? It's because good people choose bad things. It's that simple. I'm putting a decision before you. God refuses to control you. Why? Because he's love and love don't do that. don't do that. He ain't going to get no glory if we don't have free will. Why would God create Adam and Eve and then put a tree in the garden and tell them not to eat? Because without something tempting your flesh, you can never prove that he means more. You need the yin and the yang. Man, you can stand with me. How many got something tonight? I know we got a lot of people missing, but I'm preaching like we had a full house tonight. Ezekiel 18.32. God says that I take no pleasure in anybody's death. God's not getting a kick out of the things that hurt us, y'all. It actually breaks his heart. He wants you to choose life. You want a better life? Choose his ways. And you can't wait for anybody else to make that decision. You have to do that. I was in H&M today. And this young, probably 20-year-old girl working there, she's just sitting there like this. I walked up to her in H&M today. And I grabbed her. I said, I said hey, can I say something to you? She said, well, I said, joy is never the byproduct of circumstances. You have to choose joy for yourself. And she said, huh? And I said, listen, I'm speaking to you. 
joy is not something that comes from circumstances. You have to choose. You deserve to be happy. She started crying. I was like, oh, God. Because you don't know how some people will break all the way down in public. And you're like, like, I didn't say nothing bad. Um, she started crying. And I said, listen, I said, uh, God loves you. You need to start living your life intentionally. And it changed her whole day. I could tell it rocked her. Wherever she went, she probably went back into an office or something like that to gather herself. But it rocked her. Life and death is before us, man. Choose it. Choose it. What do you want? Choose it. Put it before you. You know, and uh, don't get shook on the things you don't know about God. Live on the things you do know. He's good. He's love. He's with me in the suffering. That yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. It's easy for us to quote David, but my God, David was crying out of his soul. All hell was breaking loose when he was writing this stuff. He was running for his life. He didn't even have problems, Tim, until he was anointed. He didn't even have no issues in life until he was anointed. There was no Goliaths. There was no saws. There was no spears. There was no nothing like this. There was no Philistines chasing him all around the, the Middle East. There was nothing going wrong in his life until he came encountered with his purpose. Once he was given his purpose and he was anointed king 17 years, all hell broke loose in his life. And he prayed things like, man, yeah, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but I fear no evil because I know he's with me. God will not remove the valleys of the shadows of death, but he will promise to be with you in them. Father, I thank you right now. Every mind that has possibly held an offense I pray this word penetrates the deepest part of their hearts to the point to where they re-examine their hearts